So thank you, Zangaji, for joining today's event. We've got Pai Shamshir Singh today. Pai Sabji is going to deliver a talk on the documentary film, Battle of Amritsar. You might have heard about it. Uh, Pai Sabji has been promoting it and it's been screening at several places. With Maraj Kirpa, uh, the documentary focuses on uh, on a broad variety of the things that happened in 1984 and much more of which Pai Sabji will go into, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we're going to leave the stage to Pai Sabji. And first, Pai Sabji, we ask that you introduce yourself, please. Um, das Shamshir Singh. Um, I'm the co-founder of the National Security Federation and the program director for the Khalistan Center. Um, I'm also the director for the documentary Battle of Amritsar. Um, so our work through National Security Federation and the Khalistan uh, Center is focused on government-centric leadership development. Um, we work to center the Khalistan struggle and the Shaheeds. Uh, we write, we produce resources, um, you know, we are involved in grassroots Pantik organizing in our in the UK. Um, we're linked with Nardwan in different Jathibandia um, across the world. Um, our main focus is on grassroots organizing. Um, and yeah, we've been in, in the space for uh, about 10 years now, um, pushing back against the erasure and demonization of Khalistan and its Shaheeds. Um, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we write, we produce a lot of content, um, which is on our website, uh, nsyf.org.uk. A lot of resources on June 1984, um, uh, articles, um, and um, also on khalistan.org.org. Uh, we've got three publications on the Khalistan Center website, um, and they again focus on um, Khalistan, um, you know, taking a, a much, much deeper perspective um, into the conversation, because a lot of the conversation that we've seen um, is either subject to like um, self hatred or uh, self censorship. Um, you know, people speak about Khalistan without like any deeper understanding of um, the subject, um, and without any work that they put in themselves to actually understand it. Um, so you see a lot of the really like shallow, um, you know, kind of circular conversation. Um, you know, uh, and a lot of that comes from you know four decades of Indian government propaganda and violence. Um, you know, it basically centers around like um, a defeatist attitude, like, you know, Khalistan, you know, Banani Sakada, India is a nuclear power, you know, who's going to live there, who's going to run it, a very kind of defeatist mentality. Or it goes into a misinterpretation of Gurmat, um, uh that kind of, you know, presents this idea that Khalistan or Khal Saraj isn't something that's rooted on the ground, it's a metaphysical thing. Um, and that you, you find in certain Jatebandian says, so oh, well, Khalsa. Raj is, you know, something that is beyond this world. You know, we don't need to make a Raj here. Um, all that, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of our work dispels this kind of attitude, these kind of myths, and we try to, like, you know, locate the roots of, of these thinkings. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I can't explain, like, you know, the publications and the articles. Definitely, I, I would encourage you to go out and read um, that work. A lot of effort has gone in by the Nardjuan to produce that material. And when you read it yourself, you'll see uh, the quality of the conversation is, is a completely different place. Um, and same thing with the Battle of Amritsar documentary. It's been screened in the UK, in Canada, um, in Vancouver and Toronto, and in California. We've got plans to screen it in the east coast of America um, um, and uh, Europe uh, later on this year. And next year, we'll take it to Australia. 
And I don't know if anyone here um, on the Discord has seen the documentary. Um, if you have, please you know feel free to ask any questions. If you want to go into certain aspects. Um, but you know, I mean, I can't like I don't want to hype the documentary up. Uh, you know, it's something that needs to be seen. It's something that needs to be experienced. And we're trying to create experiences uh, that are environments for the sangha to come together. Um, so you know, once people have seen it, um, the documentary like completely speaks for uh, itself. Uh, you know, there's nothing like uh, you know this documentary that exists. Um, you know, there's been so much stuff that's been created on 1984. You know, it remains one of the most um, spoken about um, and quote unquote controversial topics. Um, you know, it's controversial for those that don't understand it and people outside of the month. Um, but it remains one of the, you know, the topics that's, you know, the most is written about, said about, in, you know, in academic circles. Khalistan, Saint Janelle Singh um, is constantly, you know, written, uh, written about. Um, you know, the Indian government, whenever they're engaging in conversation with any country that has a significant Sikh diasporic population, one of the their most key talking points, one of their most serious talking points is with Khalistan, whether that's UK-India relations, UK-Canada, um, uh, sorry, India-UK relations, India-Canada relations, India-America relations, or e even India-Australia relations. Um, we've seen in the UK that India will uh, put down specific guidelines for to the British government saying, if you want trade contracts, you need to crack down on Khalistan activism. And then you see arrests um, of Narjuan, extradition cases, you know, police raids on the houses of Narjuan, um, including myself in 2018. Um, so, you know, this is a, it's a very serious topic. Um, uh, so, you know, and it's, uh, it's not uh, handled really well by a lot of people, a lot of the commentators online, uh, especially, especially amongst the, sick, the youth as well that are online. Um, you see a lot of like negative attitudes uh, towards Khalistan. It's just something that requires attention and work. Um, and yeah, and it is such a serious topic where the Indian state has literally committed decades of violence to, in order to um, demonize this topic and and take it away take it away from um, the the Sikh com. So it's something that needs to be treated with a lot of respect and a lot of seriousness. And the documentary is a, a small umbrella in, in that direction. But if you have any questions, please uh, let, uh, feel free. I mean. Um, so Sangaji, we have created the anonymous question box, so uh, definitely go ahead and put in your questions there and we'll release them here uh, in the event question box and we'll read them out to Paisabji because I don't think Paisabji can look at the phone to read them yourself uh, while driving. Um, but yeah, Paisabji, so um, please t t let us know how did it... Um, how did it came to that point that you were like, okay, we have to create um, a documentary film on Battle of Ambassador? So please tell us something more about that. Well, for us, it came from a, um, a kind of selfish desire, really, to learn more about the jazba, like the spirit, um, and like the the siddhak, the courage, the 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 faith of the the six that fought in the Bar Sab in June nineteen eighty four. We wanted to learn more about their their character. What kind of sex were they? What was that? You know, um, what did that feel like? Um, what were the their sakya of these surme of these brave warriors? And in order to do that, we sought out um, eyewitness uh, eyewitnesses that were there in the Marsaib um, that saw you know that knew these uh, sex from 
from their time with Sanjanel Singh that could really kind of narrate um, the the whole kind of development of this uh, revival of Sikh consciousness that you see erupt in, you know, even before June 1984, um, that becomes like, um, you know, the, the kind of catalyst uh, moment, you know, following the Vasaki of 1978. And it becomes a catalyzing moment for a lot of people that um, weren't previously connected with the Pant in that way. Like they needed to go through that experience of the attack on Darbar to understand the relationship Six had uh, with the Indian state and, you know, their sovereignty and, and the wider world. Um, but yeah, yeah, like for us, it's like it's just like a, a pure desire to have sangat of you know uh, these individuals um, and the sikhi that we heard from our elders, from Sangarshi Singhs that we've had sangat with. We wanted to bring that perspective to the forefront uh, because, like I was saying at the start, there's been so much content on June 1984, but the Sikh perspective that's grounded in Gurmat, that's grounded in this nazaria, this um, this way of seeing the world through the eyes of a sovereign Sikh existence that was completely missing from the mainstream narrative. It was always there within the Pantadardi um, collective, the core of the Pant. It was always there. Whether you look at the writings um, that Sikhs were producing themselves, Tadivara, um, you know, the, just the, the general discourse amongst the Pantadardi Sangat, the clear understanding that the uh, that passion was always there. But in the wider Sangat, you see an uh, impact of you know, uh, Indian state propaganda um, and just a general disconnect with Sikhi. So, you know, you might see a comment like somebody saying, oh, Sikhs lost the Battle of Amritsar. Uh, and the person making a comment like that, they don't even understand what was being fought over. They don't even understand how Sikhs fight for them to say, you know, um, Sikhs lost the Battle of Amritsar. Um, so we wanted to really bring back a, a perspective rooted in Padshahi, rooted in Gurmat, rooted in the way um, the Shaheed saw the world and we wanted to bring that to the Sangat and, uh, and you know the documentary gives us a um, you know, it's, it's 2 hours 35 minutes uh, it, give, it gave us a brilliant opportunity not only to tell those Sakya of those Surme Gurmuks but also to create a very emotive experience through uh, the use of um, you know an entirely custom soundscape uh, we created music using sick instruments um, we created artwork um, soul-piercing poetry um you know we, we the documentary gives us a lot of space to pull all of these different things together um to put together um a, a coherent uh narrative that gives a, a reflection of, of of the reality of uh, the, these uh, surme great paisabji thank you so much um so uh I will ask a few more questions after um, uh, when um, after the questions. Like a few already rolled in, Sangaji, but please um, keep asking your questions. Uh, as I think, um, Paisaji, you're more kind of here to answer questions than go on yourself, right? Or can, is there? Yeah, I thought it was a, a Q and A, um, but I mean, I'm happy to to talk, but. Okay. Yeah, if you've got any questions, okay. I think it'll be better. Okay. So, um, so f uh, one question came in: uh, Where can I watch the documentary as I live in India? So, at, at the moment, if, if you live in um, Punjab or outside of Punjab, there's not really anywhere you can watch the documentary. Um, obviously, we can't do any public screenings within the boundaries of the Indian state. 
because India censors this type of content. Um, so we we don't we want to release in Punjab. We want the six that are, you know are in Punjab and outside of Punjab to be able to watch uh, the documentary. But we're still working on that at the moment. Um, and I know I'm sure someone will ask this question um, about putting the documentary online. We don't have plans to put it online at the moment. Or we kind of value the um, in-person screenings with the Sangat. It gives us an opportunity to connect, you know, build bridges, um, you know, because there's something different that we want to kind of achieve out of it. it um, by putting it online, you know, we think it, uh, like, um, you know, that environment that we can create with the Sangat, you can't create that online. So, um, yeah, we're taking a different approach to um, streaming uh, this in person. We may change on that at some point in the future. We may put it online. There's also a couple, a couple of other issues with like uh, rights. Um, we've the archive footage that we've used in the documentary. Um, we would need to procure additional rights in order to stream it online. Um, and we we we're kind of still debating um, and deciding if we want to do that because there's a there's a, a substantial cost uh, to acquiring uh, those licensing rights. Uh, for online streaming, we have the licensing rights for in-person streaming, in-person screening. Sorry, uh, but uh, in order to acquire the licensing rights for online streaming, uh, we would have to make a substantial payment to these like third parties that own those the footage. Um, and yeah, we we just don't want to do that at, at this stage. So, um, uh, yeah, Punjab and outside of Punjab, um, hopefully soon. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't give a more specific answer, but yeah, hopefully soon. And beyond UK, Canada, America, um, hopefully Europe as well, we can hit this year. And then Australia, New Zealand, it'll be next June. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, that's uh, you definitely answered one or two questions there. Um, so basically, the next one was, uh, will it air in Asian countries where there are NRI sick populations? Like, are you also... Um, did the Middle East? I think you mentioned Middle East, but there might be like smaller countries, like I don't know, um, Iran, Iraq, or some other Asian countries with, with NRI populations. Are, is anything planned there, or are you trying to get get through the whole world, country by country, or what's the plan? Uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, we'd like to get through the whole world, country by country. Um, and we'll, we'll um, certainly try to reach out to as many places as we can. Um, you know, we've, most places we have links, so we can... Sorry? Sorry, sorry, I just cut out there. Um, yeah, so most places we have links, so we can rely on our own network. Where we don't have links, we'll, you know, try to make them. But yeah, our plan is to go country by country and, and stream it. And just also a comment on the, uh, the term NRI. It isn't a term that we should use, like, you know, stands for non-resident Indians. Um, you know, we're not Indians. There's no such thing as an Indian. The word Indian doesn't exist in any South Asian language. It's a word that comes from the racist imagination of European colonizers to describe a billion plus brown people. You find so-called Indians in two parts of the world, in the North American subcontinent and in South Asia. Uh, and that's literally just racist for it, you know, trying to find a blanket word to describe brown people. Um, you know, South Asia has a diverse multitude of cultures. The Indian state comes into creation in 1947. Um, and by, you know, the, this creation of this term and the idea of the unitary Indian citizen um, doesn't exist prior to 1947. 
So it's a, it's a political term that's been used by the Indian state to claim our bodies. And it's a term that we should avoid using. And even using the word India isn't something that we should use because it's a, it's a state that's committed oppression and genocide against the Sikh uh, community. Like they've literally massacred, um, you know, uh, they've tried to annihilate, sorry, an entire generation of Sikhs from Punjab. So identifying with that term Indian um, is, a, is a misstep, to put it lightly. Um, you know, Jiri Desh ne, you know, na jada sikhada lau pitaya, whose, you know, flag is, you know, covered in the blood of Sikhs, who's committed mass uh, um, human rights violations to punish the people of Punjab for the resistance of the Amritaris, um, you know, identifying with the oppressors is, isn't something that we should do. Um, and again, I would point you to the Khalistan.org, the publications on there, they provide a lot more detail um, into uh, these entire conversations. Okay, um, uh, there. I saw a follow-up question um, on on that. What you just said. Which term should we use instead of India or Indian? Sick, um, you know, is the term that we should use. You know, because that's what you know is uniting us all on this. You know, Discord. There might be people that are you know born from Punjab or outside of Punjab. Um, vast majority of Sikhs are obviously from Punjab, the land of the five rivers, and they identify with being from Punjab. Um, but what really is our culture, what really unites us is Sikh, right? Is Sikhi. Um, so Sikhi is more than, you know, a quote-unquote religion. Um, this is our existence. It's our way we understand who we are and what our relationship is with the world. If we want to learn about ourselves, we look towards Gurbani because if we look within ourselves to understand ourselves as, you know, um, Homme and Manamat, that's something that we want to avoid. And we want, in order to understand who we are and what our place is in this world, we look to Gurbani, right? Gurbani is the source of our existence. It's what gives us a definition. It literally gives us uh, a place in this uh, in Sansar. And uh, the Khalsa is something that's pargat through that connection with Gurbani, becomes manifest through the connection with Gurbani. So as he said here, and that Sadanata Sikhi Denalia, Nake Kese Rashtravati Desh Denal, we don't we shouldn't identify with any nationalism, whether it's Indian nationalism, British or Canadian or whatever nationalism. Um, you know, Sadat Modala Nata Sikhi Denalia. Okay. Um and there's another question. Uh, what kind of difficulties did you face while making the documentary in terms of interviewing or finding the right content? So um, obviously, like logistically, it was a big challenge interviewing people that were in different parts of the world. We began the process of filming in 2016, um, collecting all the interviews, putting everything together. Um, and then in 2018, we, we, we were going over like, you know, I, um, 80, 90 hours of footage, um, identifying what bits, um, you know, would make it into the documentary that would best tell the story uh, from that sick perspective. Um, and that took a, a really long process. So it's been about six, six years of making this film. Um, and, you know, finding like the, the, the technical, um, the, the, what, what, we would, what we felt was appropriate technically, musically, in order to tell the story. That was quite challenging as well. Um, and then also the biggest challenge of us has been like censorship from the Indian state. Um, you know, whether it was like our website being banned in India 24 hours, uh, within 24 hours of the trailer being released, then our YouTube channel being banned in India, 
um, our Instagram being banned in India, Twitter being banned in India. Then our Instagram was suspended. Um, you know, we managed to get that back. Um, and then we had a coordinated campaign against the, the screenings where over a thousand emails were sent out in a coordinated way um, to all of the venues that were streaming the film. Um, and saying, you know, Sanjay Nelson Pindrawal is a terrorist. This film is glorifying terrorism. You know, did Air India and all this like random, like, you know, Indian rhetoric, um, trying to get the film uh, banned from being shown in the UK. Um, so that was obviously the big challenge. And like, the, 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 I'm fortunate to work with a bunch of things that, like, you know, have more Duran Deshi Sojia. Um, they're well organized, you know, they plan ahead um, and they, they were able to take the necessary steps in anticipation of the censorship. So we were able to get certain things in place when, because we knew we were going to face this type of censorship from, uh, you know, Indian nationalists. Um, and yeah, that really like um, helped us. And then obviously there's the, there's the technical challenges as well, of, um, you know, putting together a film like this, you know, bringing over 80 hours of footage together. Uh, and since this, you know, the launch of the screening, it, it's been really challenging logistically. We've had a lot of demand in, in the UK, for example. Um, you know, we announced the film, uh, you know, screenings in the beginning of uh, the end of May, the beginning of June. And within a week, like every every single place was sold out. I mean, some of these places we hadn't even had a chance to like advertise on social media. Um, you know, we had the, the links up on the website and just through word of mouth, every single screening was just fully booked. Uh, so we've had to add a whole other month of, um, you know, tours in the UK, um, in Edmonton, in Canada, where it's being screened uh, a 600 theater, you know, 600 seat screenings over two days uh, were, were booked out in in three days of advertising. And that was purely, again, word of mouth as well. So just being able to keep up with the demand. Like today, we had a screening in Bradford, which is, uh, you know, it's four hours from where I live. Uh, so, you know, I drove there yesterday um, and another one of the things came from um, Glasgow, uh, which is like six hours away. Um, and then now I'm, I'm driving back to London today for another screening. So, yeah, just logistically, it's been um, it's been a bit of a challenge. Um, but at the same time, it's been absolutely beautiful um, to spend time with the Sangat and the amount of love that we got from the Sangat, you know, like in the things in Bradford, like spent three days soundproofing a whole gym. They bought in like a four meter by three meter LED screen, like specially set up a whole sound setup, um, you know, and there was like 300 people from the Sangha that watched uh, the documentary today. And everyone who's seen it has just been so deeply moved by um, just, you know, the how clearly we've articulated what the uh, the Battle of Amritsar means to the, the Pantadardi Sikh. Um, and obviously people have been, uh, you know, really um, uh, giving us a lot of praise for the, the quality of, of the production as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, we're just trying to do add more screenings. Uh, I know someone was asking a question about like screenings, you know, in Punjab and outside of Punjab. Um, it's just been, a, it, it's, logistically, it's, it's, it's been a bit of a challenge. So just keeping up with that. But that, that I mean, that's a good problem to have, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, just to prevent um, people asking just uh, all their own countries, okay, when will the movie come here or there? Um, Paisam, has the movie uh, been uh, screened in the US already or no? So it's been screened in uh, California, 
and Seattle, it's been screened on the West Coast mainly. Um, on our website, we have a RSPV section. So if you go to battleofamrasar.com um, and you click on the RSVP, uh, we've got like the kind of main countries there, but there's an option for other. And you can just go there and add your you know, um, city, country where you want to see it screened. Um, and you know, if you can help out with the screening, just make a note of that. Or you can send us an email to battleofamrasar.gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we're just we're collating all that information at the moment, and then we'll we'll produce like a, a, a more screening dates and tours. We've been getting a lot of emails from Sangat in Germany as well. That's been like the number number one requested kind of location. So we're you know we're going there um, next. Um, and yeah, we've been getting like emails from people like in in small towns where there's not a lot of sick uh, community. Um, so yeah, we're just we're working through it, and and we will figure something out at some point. Um, you know, because the team's dedicated uh, to this, and yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, is it is it possible to check all the screenings uh, on on the website battleofamrsa.com? Hanji, battleofamrsa.com is the place that you want to go. Um, also at Jung Hind Punjab um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, we're posting periodic updates on there, but that's mainly for like Sangat's feedback and just general social media stuff. But battleofamrasar.com is the place to go. And if you drop the RSVP, we'll definitely be in touch. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, many questions have been answered by this because um, people people have been asking, okay, um, how can they partake in the seva and help? Um, are there any requirements that Sangat would have to uphold or? Uh, can they just contact you and you'll just go further from there? Oh, yeah, we, we have technical requirements for the, the screenings. Um, like we have a minimum technical spec um, set up. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if people want to get involved in the, in the screening, um, you know, there's, there's a process for that as well. If you just reach out, you know, drop us an email. There's a contact form on the website as well. Um, mm -hmm. you, can, you can just drop us a contact, for, um, you know, contact request through there. Um, and we've been getting like, you know, emails from like, you know, for example, Hong Kong, where like Sangat is like, you know, there's not a lot of Sangat here. They want to do something. What's the process? And yeah, we've got everything ready to go. Like we've got a spec sheet. We've got like, you know, all the, um, you know, graphics, every, everything. Things have worked really hard to put everything together. So we've got like a pack. So if people want to do that, yeah, please reach out. Okay, good, buddy. Um, so please tell us something about the documentary film itself. So what does it cover? Uh, what's the time span? Maybe, um, like maybe, as as can you give us a little summary or what what does it exactly cover? How, you sure? how deep yeah. does it go? Um, it goes in some aspects. It goes quite very deep. Um, so what it, what this documentary isn't isn't like um, you know a technical breakdown. Like you know, we've seen a lot of conversations or around June eighty four. Um, that get into like these really kind of technical details or like this like you know menti genti like kitab type conversation, um, and then you then a lot of the the conversation around June 1984 has been dominated, especially in the in the um, the last I would say maybe five to like eight years. There's been a a quite a big shift um, towards this rhetoric of genocide and human rights violations. Um, that's not a discourse I personally grew up with uh, when it came to June 1984. Um, you know, our, our, we grew up in a, a much, much more uh, sense, you know, where, we, you know, there's like, you know, the, the, the track, um, 
um, you know, Pellahalla is like the first attack. You know, it's a, it's a very famous study by the Nambiawali and Bibia that talks about how, you know, the first wave of the Indian government, they sent, you know, their soldiers in and the, the things annihilated that first wave. And, you know, it gives like a kind of a blow by blow account of like the Jung. Um, so we grew up in a kind of a different environment. And like, you know, obviously with the, you know, the popularization of social media and like, you know, especially the hashtag sick genocide 1984, a lot of that conversation very like simplifies the discourse it simplifies the reality of what happens it reduces us to the status of victimhood that we were this passive entity that you know the indian government came and they you know killed us and they murdered us and you know we need justice you know and that you know that rhetoric isn't a sick rhetoric um you know genocide is a part of what occurs um, but there's a there's a context to it. There's a dynamic to it. Genocide, you know, describing what happens in November 1984, where you know Sikh residents, um, you know, in Delhi and in, in many other t- uh, towns, uh, uh, you know, especially where the Congress Party had a majority, um, them being uh, caught off guard, um, being um, not having weapons, um, and being massacred by like armed gangs. Um, you know, that were, were given their addresses, etc. To describe that as a genocide would be a, a fair statement. Um, to describe the Indian state's counterinsurgency policy, so you had like an entire generation that picked up arms that understood that, you know, a Sephardist under Galamia, that we're slaves, we're subjugated within the confines of the Indian state. Um, and the entire generation picked up arms, fought against it. And in order to retaliate, the Indian state instigated a policy of genocide, um, where they, they dealt with the insurgency through, um, you know, uh, mass rapes. They dealt with the insurgency through like hunting sick um, youth in uh, in particular, in particular Amritaris, um, um To describe that as a genocide, you know, in that context would be fair. So what the documentary does, it, it, it takes a much, much more clearer sadantic uh, position. Sadant means the principles, the principles over which like the, the jungle um, uh, Sahib was fought over, and those principles are of our Padshahi, our, our Guru bestowed sovereignty. Um, so that's a really, really important distinction uh, when it comes to the documentary. Um, and you know, we provide some uh, uh, some analysis. And you put the, uh, we provide some analysis um, about that um, uh, the the Sadantic framework. Um, uh, you know, it gives kind of um, that gives context to you know, Kiki, Kiri Sadanta Piche, Ejang Lariga Isagi. And then going going beyond that, we talk about the battle itself, like how it was fought, like Kini the Lady Denal, Kini Chardi Kala Denal, Utesing Jujesigit, Ta Onania Pine Janavaria. And then we provide um, more contextualizing analysis. Um, you know, following following the battle and and, and what that what that kind of means, um, but yeah, and um, and and I guess what really stands out is that conversation around like you know, can you... sorry, okay, so uh, Sangji Virji is just uh, mute, uh, so. There must be some issues, but please make sure if you have any questions, if you go to the text or voice part or the event question box, there's a link. Uh, if you click that link, you can post anonymous questions, right? And we'll just um, deliver them to Paisa. And yeah, you can ask your questions anonymously. 
through the Google form. So I saw another question. Uh, what is the website we can look at? Sorry, uh, someone missed it. Um, so, oh, hello. Hanji um, Pai Sabji. Did you hear that? Um, no, you were, you were deafened, so no one was hearing anything. Was that by mistake? Or... Oh, yeah, that was by mistake. How long was I deafened for? Um, like a minute, I guess. But... Okay, okay, yeah. So basically, but, the, yeah. Last point was, the last point I was making was like, um, um, like we wanted to we bring that perspective back, right? Like um, of uh, yeah, how six fought and like the Tardikala the, the, the spirit with which they fought, the excitement that they had um, in fighting and, and facing these kind of insurmountable odds. Um, and yeah, we kind of uh, bring that kind of that Saki tradition back, right? Like when you hear the Saki of like Chimkor Dijang, um, and like both Chardi Kalamaniya Saki, like you know, Guru Gobind Singh is getting there, you know, uh, put the ready for like Shahadat or Madhavyan Chalaya, like it's like a wedding procession, like there's a joy there to like you know, Kehan I see Ju, like there's Sheet by Amrik Singh's um, daughter wrote uh, an article, and the, the title of that is I see Juj Ke Poniya Ne Shahidiya. That we we want to we want to fight and attain martyrdom, and we kind of bring that uh, perspective back to the conversation. So it's um it, it's not what you typically hear, and we we didn't want to take that typical approach. We wanted people to, you know, be able to see the world through the eyes of the the shaheeds and kind of do justice to their um you know to their their, their jazba their spirit. Okay, um, thank you, Paisanji. So um. Just to answer the question in between, uh, what is the website we can look at? Uh, the website has been posted in text for voice. It's www.battleofamritsar.com. Um, so, by somebody, there's a question. I'll read it out to you. Um, you can also take a look yourself if you can. Um, seems like you're out of the car. It's in event question box. So, it's question eight. There are a couple of books on Saka Nilatara. But there are also books on the Kardkuler, which go into detail how freedom fighter groups like Khalistan Liberation Force, Khalistan Commando Force operated. Do you have any books in mind? Hanji, um, yeah, I, I can see the card. Um, yeah, yeah we, um, there's, a, there's quite a few books um, that really kind of cover it. Uh, the majority of them are in Punjabi. I can provide a, a book list if you want. If you go to panthpunjab.org, um, um, there's a reading list on that website as well. Um, and I, I, I mean, a really good starting point I would recommend is Bad Shahi Memma by Ranveer Singh. That's a really important book for a number of reasons. One, it provides um, a lot of reference material for people that may not be familiar with uh, you know like what are the sick reference materials right when we when we look into this this history when we look into like um this perspective uh what is all you know because materials are bought together um like what is all of that so uh one is really good for you know readers and researchers alike because you know provides a, a, an in-depth list of um sources the other thing is um it, it has a very very clear narrative of Shahi, which you see is continuous from like Guru Nanak Badshah all the way up until you know the Majuta Sikh Sangarsh, the current Sikh struggle um, 
and you know it's a it's a very uh, you know uh, a, a good book in terms of like it's easy to follow along uh, for the you know beginner and and for somebody who's more familiar with these subjects. There's a lot of material uh, in that book. So Bachai Memma is a really really good book. Um, Jigjit Singh like in the, in the caravan of revolutions and Sikh revolution. That's a bit more difficult to get hold of. Um, you know it's a bit out of print at the moment. Um, but I think we've got a few copies on our website as well, nsyf.org.uk. There's a shop on there. Um, so we've got copies on there that we put out uh, for cost price. Um, I think like if you get, went to Amazon to buy that book, it would cost you like, well, it's ridiculous, like £100 or something because it's a, it's a difficult to get hold of book. But we contacted the publisher and we um, managed to get a few copies republished. Um, so we offer them at, at cost price. Um, so those are two books. Um, there's... There's a, there's a few other books as well that we can get. Hold, um, that Yeah, like I mentioned, the Pantha Punjab um, uh, reading list. Um, and uh, the Khalistan Center's first publication, Who Speaks for Khalistan? There's an extensive reference section in that first publication. So if you go to khalistan.org, um, you know, at the top, you click on publications. Um, and that the first publication, Who Speaks for Khalistan, has a very, very detailed reference section. And it references a lot of the material. And we've also, our most recent publication, which is Battle of Amritsar, um, that has a, a shorter reference um, a list in there. But again, it mentions a lot of key sources. Uh, Dr. Gurhat Bhagat Singh is like a really important um, you know, writer on, on this uh, um, subject as well. And it depends on what you want to kind of learn. If you want to, because there's so many layers to June 1984. Um, you know, there's the sedant behind it. Like it just takes a much, much deeper look at like what is the the coordinates from a gurmat, from a, a Sikhi point of view, um, to like you know the the technical details of the battle. Um, one of the things from uh, National Sikh Youth Federation um, is Baljeet Singh's writing a book at the moment called Jang Namma, which is going into a lot of detail on um, not only June 1984 but um, the entire Khalistan movement. And he's doing some extensive research. The the um, the other issue is there's a lot of material out there, but unless you kind of have like uh, already have like a fairly decent grasp, or you have a fairly decent analytical framework, uh, it's difficult for you to like navigate all of these sources because you know you might read uh, a lot of the stuff is written by the Indian um, you know uh, military people themselves. I mean, the best-selling book on June 1984 is written by. Butcher Kaldeep Bra, like um, you know, Operation Blue Star, the true story or something. And that's like one of the best selling books. Um, so, you know, like it's difficult to go through all of these sources and find out, like, you know, Sachakia, like, I mean, in the official Indian government white paper, they still push, like, that's a source of a lot of, of, lot of lies. I mean, you may have heard of this line, flushing the militants outside of the temple, or, or the militant Sanjanel thing. Um, the, was occupying Darbar Sahib and you see that repeated in six as well some six will say oh why was Sanjan El Singh there and they think that's an original idea they came out with but that's actually a propaganda narrative that's been spread by the Indian government and the, the person who's responsible for coining those phrases is Mark Tully an Indian journalist so that phrase flushing the militants out of the temple and Sikh militants were occupying that temple has a very specific origin point which is Mark Tully um, in the Gandhi's last battle um, and you just see that continually, continuously repeated through like so many different sources. Uh, so yeah, like Wantpanjab.org reading list, Khalistan.org, the first publication and the third publication provide extensive reference material. Uh, Bad Shahi Memma is a really, really good uh, book. 
Harinder Singh Mehboob, if you read Gurmukhi, Sajorachyo Khalsa, like everything he writes is obviously phenomenal. Um, but he there's a, there's a lot of poetry that he's written on uh, June 1984. He's written about, um, you know, Shahid Dada Badala, like, you know, about Pai Bian Singh, like what must have he have felt when he saw Akal Takat, which captures kind of a deeper Ruhani, a, a spiritual, a soul uh, perspective of the Sikh, like what was awakened in Bian Singh when he saw the Akal Takat being demolished in that way. Um, so that's a brilliant source as well. And yeah, the upcoming Jang Nama, because that, that will have collated uh, nothing like Jang Nama exists, to be frank. Um, there's no singular book that you can go to that is a, a thoroughly researched, that goes through not only the Sikh sources, uh, but also the Indian government resources and like debunks all of these uh, popularized you know, myths. Uh, so that when that releases, that's going to be a, a game changer for this conversation. But the short answer is there's not really um, you know, anything singularly that's written on June that can provide all of that analysis in in, in one uh, book, unfortunately. There are in, in Gurmukhi, but in English, unfortunately, there, there's not one singular uh, book that I would recommend in that regard. Thank you, Paisabji. Um, so we have another one. Uh, why is it important that our children know and learn about Santaji Ranaya Singhji Khalsa Pindrale? And 1984, as I do tell my children, but do encounter problems from family members saying that they're too young and it's not good for them to know. Wahiguru, Wahiguru. That's such an important question. Um, so firstly, from, from a sick point of view, from a Gurmat point of view, absolutely essential that children are aware of their ideas. This like perspective that they're too young, whatever, like that is from Gore, a galt perspective, it has nothing to do with Sikhi, it has nothing to do with our tradition of how we view the world. You know, Sade, um, look at the short Sahib Zade, um, you know, a Mughal Samaraj no Eddie Tokame Javavate. Like the the shortest Ibs are they like they had like very, very young ages where they not only understood what was being fought over, they were able to completely debunk and reject the Mughal government's um, you know, Lalja their um their their uh, I don't know what Lalja is, like the, the kind of bribes they gave them. And you know, in today's day and age, there's adults, like grown ass adults that get confused and think that if we get if we get a position, if we join the police, the military, if we become multi-millionaires, if we become MPs, that we can you know, do something for the punt. Grown adults that think with that mentality of the Galam. And the shortest hives are they were offered everything. They were offered, um, you know, um, uh, to become princes. They were offered money. They were offered anything. You know, when the Mughal Samaraj asked them that, what do you want? They said, Sanu like that type of jazba. You know, they, they, when they were offered anything, they said, give us weapons that we want to fight. And they were told, oh, your guru is defeated. You know, he's dead. You know, they would try to demoralize them into uh, into accepting Galami and try to convince them that Galami is the best bet for them, that they'll be able to live comfortably, they'll be able to marry like princesses and, you know, they'll have a respected position within the Mughal administration. Like, you know, they kicked all of that away uh, in order to embrace being bricked alive. You know, like, look at that jigra, that jazba. 
ਸੋ ਯੂ نو ਗੁਰਬਾਣੀ ਵੀ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਪ੍ਰੇਰਣਾ ਕਰਦੀ ਆ ਕਹਾਣੀਆਂ ਬਬਾਣੀਆਂ ਪੁੱਤ ਸੁਪੁੱਤ ਕਰੇ ਲਾਈਕ ਯੂ نو ਦੈਟ ਆਵਰ ਸਾਖੀਆਂ ਆਵਰ ਐਲਡਰਸ ਮੇਕ ਚਿਲਡਰਨ ਇਨਟੂ ਗੁੱਡ ਚਿਲਡਰਨ ਸੋ ਟੀਚਿੰਗ ਚਿਲਡਰਨ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਦਾ ਇੰਪੋਰਟੈਂਸ ਆਫ ਆਵਰ ਸ਼ਹੀਦਸ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਸੇਵਾ ਰਾਈਟ ਲਾਈਕ ਫਰਮ ਫਰਮ ਅ ਅ ਦੁਨੀਆਵੀ ਪਰਸਪੈਕਟਿਵ you know you might view children as your children that these are yours but from a gurmat perspective oh ta sikha de ghar ghar de vich janam leya oh sikhi de bootte a they they plants of sikhi is our job to nourish them as sikh parents which has a different meaning a different connotation you know they're not our property they're not ours the panth there they belong to the panth right and like the fact that somebody is born into a sikh household that has a huge significance um so what does it mean to nurture a sick child uh, is so important that they know about sanjanel singh they know about like the shaheeds of the khalistan movement there's a bunch of books as well children's books that the singhs have produced that again you can grab them on nsyf.org.uk there's four volumes now um, and they're designed for children so that they go into um you know explaining june 1984 and like um the most recent one the magnificent seven is about seven of the Uh, generals of the Khalistan movement they're animated in that way for for young children um so that they can learn um, you know this in interesting to them um and this has always been our tradition like the sakhi parnali has always been our tradition telling children sakhiya like you know we grew up seeing all these images in in gurdware of six being you know um uh, spai sati das pai mati das pai de allah you know we know the sakhiya how they were cut uh, apart you know shabaz singh and shabeek singh how they were charkhriyan te chare gaye si ardas vich nit parde ha like you know we salute those types of sacrifices so this isn't something that's added on this is an integral part of sikhi and it's on us to embody that sikhi in our in our day to day lives otherwise the what separates us from the rest of um the manmati duniya the bipar uh, um you know uh, um uh, sansar like what makes us of a luck and what makes us unique what separates us right guru sahib ke um jab ek bipran ki reet right like until we remain nyare guru sahib gives us their full support when we go bipran ki reet which a lot of people today wouldn't even be able to distinguish what bipran ki reet is but that's accepting the way of everyone else in it not accepting the way of the khalsa so we have our tradition we have you know uh, um, uh, um the shahidi of um, so many surme and it goes back to this question of what is the khalsa pant created for khalsa pant is created for turjan ke marne bo asar ke sangar be ko khalsa banayo hai to decimate the demonic that's what the khalsa pant is created for on hukum hoya mehrwan da pe koi na kise ranyan da sab sukhali buttiyan eh hua halimi raj diyo so guru sahib da akal purkh walo hukum aaya ke assi halimi raj satapat karna the way to establish an egalitarian just um, rule um, uh, in the world ਕਿ ਅਸੀਂ ਲੋਕਾਂ ਦਾ ਭਲਾ ਕਰ ਸਕਦੇ ਹਾਂ ਸਰਬੱਤ ਦੇ ਖਾਲਸੇ ਦਾ ਭਲਾ ਕਰ ਸਕਦੇ ਸੋ ਇਸ ਸਰਬੱਤ ਦਾ ਭਲਾ ਕਰ ਸਕਦੇ ਹਾਂ ਐਂਡ ਸਰਬੱਤ ਦਾ ਭਲਾ ਇਜ਼ਨਟ ਜਸਟ ਅ ਪੈਸਿਵ ਥਿੰਗ ਆਫ ਲਾਈਕ ਫੀਡਿੰਗ ਪੀਪਲ ਐਂਡ ਯੂ نو ਡੂਇੰਗ ਥਿਸ ਚੈਰਿਟੇਬਲ ਰੋਲ ਸਰਬੱਤ ਦਾ ਭਲਾ ਇਜ਼ 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 ਅਬਾਊਟ ਕੁਐਸਚਨਸ ਆਫ ਪਾਵਰ ਐਂਡ ਇਫ ਵੀ ਡੋਨਟ ਯੂ نو ਕਨੈਕਟ ਆਵਰ ਚਿਲਡਰਨ ਟੂ ਥਿਸ ਅਥਿਆਸ ਵਾਟ ਇਜ਼ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਬੀ देयर ਇਮੇਜਿਨੇਸ਼ਨ ਦੇ ਆਰ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਗਰੋ ਅਪ do we want them to grow up with a galam mindset where they're like oh we don't need khalistan we don't need sikhraj you know i look I, I, they they're confused um their nidji their personal comfort and their personal so called duniyavi success 
of like accumulating money or getting a, a position, they'll confuse that with the azadi. Whereas we have like look at our uh, our entire atheas, right? Poreyan diyan kattiyanu apna kar banaya, kanni kanni roti de utte gazara kita. Like we, what do we celebrate? What do we call success? And Sanjanel Singh and the recent struggle is such a pivotal thing to the entire Sikh existence because if it's not for that moment, we have to go back to the 18th century to find an imagination of what it means to be Khalsa in this world. And some people do. Some people are like so rooted, like you know, in this in the 18th century, um, and you know, in many ways, rightly so, because it's such a powerful coordinates of what it means to be Sikhi, but uh, to be a Sikh. But if you want to see that embodied in today's day and age, then June 1984 and the Khalistan struggle that follows after that is such an important point of reference because that same. Um, you know, Deshat Gardi Sarkar, that same um, you know so, uh, uh, government that's spreading terror amongst the people, that's boiling people alive, that's you know you know pulling their eyes out, so, you know subjecting them to medieval tortures that people associate with the 18th century. That's literally what the Indian government did. Um, you know, even before 1984, Pai Kalwan Singh Nagok is the first Shahid of this modern movement, um, and he was brutally tortured. Like in '78, by Fajr Singh Huni, the 13 Shahids of Amritsar, um, you know, they're fired upon by the Nirankaris with assistance of the police. Um, you know, following the 80s, like the brutal tortures that the Sikhs are being subjected to, is exactly by Gurdev Singh Debu, like boiled alive. Um, you know, the uh, how many parvars under like Ajit Fulla, Nakli Nehang, like how many, how many he literally burnt alive. Um, you know, people will probably watch the Sidhu Musewala that uh, song. And you know everyone's creating hyper, and the family, like you know, because he shows a picture of uh, by uh, uh, Balwinder Singh Jatana, like by Jatana's family was burnt alive and like massacred by Ajit Fulla. Um, so like that, you know, this is the reality. When you challenge the interests of the state, whether the state claims to be a, a democracy or whatever, they will literally respond the same way as a medieval feudal power. They will try to annihilate you if you don't assimilate. And what Sanjanel Singh does is gives us those coordinates of what it means to exist in a state of defiance of bhagi bona, of not accepting a dinigi, not accepting a galami within the system. Today, we've not only accepted a dinigi, we celebrate it. We say, "Oh, we're citizens. Look how you know proud we are of being citizens, and we are citizens of countries that are built on genocide, built on um, you know continual, ongoing violence against." Um, you know, minorities against you know um, uh, a Sikh, uh, Punjabi. I look at the Indian state and all of its allies, fully invested. Britain sold helicopters, wanted uh, wanted to sell helicopters to India, uh, so they provided them training in 1984. Ongoing military assistance comes from the United Kingdom. Canada is a, another strong ally of the Indian state. Um, America is another strong ally of the Indian state. And these countries are heavily invested in, uh, in you know, propping up India. And India is a state that's literally built on the uh, the division of our homeland of Punjab, um, and maintained through genocide um, and state violence. You know, whether it's through the media, whether it's through the education system, whether it's you know, economic violence against Punjab, stealing its natural resources, all sorts of stuff. So Sanjanel Singh and all of those shahids of the the current movement. They represent the biggest shift that we see away from that galam mindset. That anal reke koshubanisakda jan koi you know kome de masle you know 
that we can by staying with the Indian government that we can resolve any of our affairs or we can you know um, be part of the system change the system from within all of those kind of galam rhetorics that have become so popularized um, you know Sanjanel Singh and, and the Shaheed they represent a pivotal shift away and they model you know that Atarmi Sadidi the Sidki Sikhi they model that type of Sikhi that you know we need to aspire towards uh, in order to actually, uh, you know, uh, have a path towards freedom uh, of liberation, you know, so I think it's, it's incredibly important, um, you know, to, to speak to our children. There's, there's not a younger, there's no age that's inappropriate. Just look at Gurbani, look at all of the Sakya. Um, you know, like, uh, would you call Gurbani inappropriate for younger children? Like, uh, look at the type of Sikhi it talks about. Um, you know, just madne se jagdare mere man anand, right? Um, you know, there's so many ideas that come from Gurbani that inspire us towards this type of jivan that, you know, Sanjanel Singh and, and those other Singhs and Kors uh, lived. Like, all that entire inspiration comes from Gurbani, right? Um, are we going to start calling Gurbani inappropriate? Okay, no, we don't want that. I mean, Gurbani is constantly telling us, as like, what are we being attached to? You know, um, so if Gurbani is pulling us in a different direction, um, you know, um, you know, so as he dokapalana ja sokapalanaya, and like, what is the purpose? You know, like, this body that we've been given, what is the purpose? Are we just like everyone else? We're living for the sake of living. You know, there's a difference, right? When, when you take Amrit and you become part of the Pant, the price of Amrit is your head. You, to see, at that point, you die as an individual and you're reborn as part of the Khalsa. If after that point, you're still attached to living and you're still in Meh, Meri, Meh, Meri, then you don't understand that you're right? And like, you know, Guru Nanak Pad said, they have a child, but in the first day, but you know, place your head on the palm of your hand and step onto this path of love, right? This game of love. So if you're attached to living, if you're attached to family, if you're attached to Maya, if you think that through some kind of chalaki, you know, that you can we can resolve the affairs of the Pant, then you're mistaken. You know, we're not fighting for the scraps of the table, we're not fighting for a seat at the table. Um, people that think like that don't understand what the fight is. It can never lead you to Azadbi. You're going to have a Galam who's convinced that Galami is the correct way, sitting at a table of oppressors telling you that they're going to do something for you. That is Siredi Bev Kufi. You know, the, there's, we're not fighting for the scraps. We're not fighting for a seat at the table. We're fighting for Khalsa Raj. We're fighting for a new way of sitting entirely. We don't want to sit. We don't take. We don't take part in systems of injustice and oppressors. As you did, tabahi kar deya. Pama pama do se kare jee bota sing garja sing varke pama adhi kaam shahid hojve jita vade kalu kare deve choisi. That what did sex right and vada vada kalu kara when half the panth was shahid in um, one day. Jo mare gor par jaye. Jo nik jo nik se or rajle. Jo mare gor par jaye. Those that have escaped this encirclement, their job is now to get Raj. 
ਤਾਂ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਮਰ ਗਏ ਆ the ones that have died become shaheed oh guru de charna de vich namaz ho gaye they've gone towards guru they've gone towards that that home that the people that escaped this kera their job is not to claim miraj they didn't say oh you know sada genocide ho gaya sanu justice bill um so yeah i think it's incredibly important to connect our uh, our youngsters with the sidki atihas of our chardi kala gursikh sur mein yodhe jehra e jhooj ke shahidiyan paiyan aur phir shayad ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੀ ਜਮੀਰ ਜਾਗੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਸਿੱਖਾਂ ਵਾਲੀ ਅਣਖ ਜਾਗੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਦਾ ਜਜ਼ਬਾ ਜਾਗੇ ਤਾਂ ਉਹਦੇ ਵਿੱਚੋਂ ਗਾਂ ਕੋਈ ਉਹ ਕੌਮ ਦਾ ਰਾਹ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਆਜ਼ਾਦੀ ਵਾਲ ਸ਼ਹੀਦਾਂ ਨੇ ਲਿਖਿਆ ਹੋਇਆ ਉਸ ਰਾਹ ਦੇ ਉੱਤੇ ਉਹ ਕੌਮ ਦਾ ਭਵਿੱਖ ਸਜਾ ਸਕਣ ਸੋ ਆਈ ਥਿੰਕ ਇਟਸ ਇਨਕਰੈਡੀਬਲੀ ਇੰਪੋਰਟੈਂਟ ਅਦਰਵਾਈਜ਼ ਇਫ ਵੀ ਆਰ ਨਾਟ ਐਜੂਕੇਟਿੰਗ ਆਰ ਚਿਲਡਰਨ ਵੀ ਕਾਨਟ ਰਿਲਾਈ ਔਨ ਲਾਈਕ ਯੂ نو ਦੀਸ ਕੰਟਰੀਜ਼ ਦੈਟ ਵੀ ਲਿਵ ਇਨ ਯੂ ਕੈਨ ਗੋ ਟੂ ਸਕੂਲ ਐਂਡ ਯੂ ਕੈਨ ਬਿਕਮ ਅ ਪੀਐਚਡੀ ਐਂਡ ਲਰਨ ਨਥਿੰਗ ਆਫ ਵੈਲਿਊ ਫੋਰ ਯੂਰ ਕੌਮ um are we going to you know that that type of education is irrelevant when it comes to these gala like sanjanel singh ne kehri phd kiti si they were more advanced uh, than anybody that's around right now not only were they more advanced in their thinking they have more courage than anyone aaj bhi bathere pracharak ture phirde a which pracharak has the the jurth the of sanjanel singh to not only do gurmat prachar but to directly challenge the indian state and the conditions that are producing galami and say that asi galamia asi azadi chonea shastar chakko you know jithe beadbi hundi sodda la which which prachar has the jurth to say that publicly from akal takat sahib you know it's a it's a completely different uh, ball game completely different league so when we connect our youngsters to that type of uh, jazba it produces the spirit of sovereignty of that badshahi dawa it produces that within them thank you boys of you um there's a, another uh, a little similar question uh, someone has asked why are gurdwaras um they're just ta- i'm just talking from my experience some gurdwaras may be doing all they can to show support so why are gurdwaras not supporting talking about the history of 1984 santaji and khalistan have you found difficulty with going into gurdwaras and delivering workshops about khalistan in 1984 uh no we personally haven't um you know i would say every gurdwara that i've ever been to i've seen pictures of sanjanel saying um you know have lot gurdwara has a, literally a, a 20 foot banner of sanjanel singh outside um you know and a big part of that is the nawjawan so rather than having the attitude like oh, why is the gurdwara x y and z what are you doing in that space you know you, we need to be organizing in our local areas you know the uk is is different like granted the uk is different because here the nawjawan like are very very different we have like a different kind of uh, a spirit inside us and we don't really tolerate like no nawjawan here would tolerate any gurdwara speaking against any of the shaheeds or like not creating space for that type of prachar like you know people here would would kick off uh majorly over that and they have been like our parents generations you know kicked off over over this type of thing I'll, I'll tell you a story of like Southul Gurdwara um there was um in Southul Gurdwara back in the day there used to be a pro Indian government committee um and like the the people you know the my, my parents generation now that you know they were youths at that moment they turned up and they were like you know we're going to you know you guys need to leave you know we we've had enough of you um and you know we're going to fight you um and they called the police uh the police obviously came you know full force and uh, you know the uh, one of the you know the the youth leaders explained to the police they said look this is the issue this committee is aligned with the indian government the indian government's committing genocide we don't want this um you know uh, uh 
government aligned committee in the Gurdwara. They're not listening to any kind of process and we want to fight them. And we've come to fight and die today. Like we're committed. If you're police officers, we all got karpanna on. If whoever out of your police officers wants to die, they should step forward if they think they can stop us. Because for us, this is a question of life and death. And then the police commander at that at that time turned around and said, look, just fight each other if you want to fight, if you want to beat these up, beat them up. But, you know, just don't draw any any blood. Otherwise, we'll have to make certain arrests. And they fought them and shittar mar mar ke ona nu godare ho kaadata. Like, you know, that, that, and that's the kind of uh, space that we have in the UK. So it's very, very different here. Every single gurdwara, every single major gurdwara, even like a lot of the smaller gurdwara, Every single Gurdwara here is Pantik. Um, you know, there's space, there's regularly Tadi Darwars, there's regularly like, you know, youth camps, there's regularly talks about our Shaheeds. Um, but I, again, it requires a lot of the youth organizing, coming together, you know, pre, you know, um, taking that initiative, reading up themselves, learning themselves about the movement, um, offering the workshops, etc. If you need any help with that, if you need any, um, you know, resources or anything, please reach out. Our email is info at nsyf.org.uk. We'll be happy to help or, uh, or advise. Um, you know, most Gurdwara, we know people as well. So, you know, if there's any specific Gurdwara or any specific Gurdwara committee that's giving you any difficulties, um, you know, we, we'd be happy to, like, you know, step in and, and approach them. And a lot of the times, like, you know, I, in my experience, conflict isn't even needed in the Gurdwara. A lot of the times, it's just to sit down and have a genuine conversation, um, you know, uh, with the, you know, with the elders, and you know, a lot of the people that are like, uh, uh, you know, against Santaji or against the Shahids or against the movement, um, they actually, in their heart, there's very few people that from Dillon like have that hatred for Santaji or whatever. It's just, it's for me, what I found is, is one of three things: is either that they're scared, that there's fear inside them. Um, and they have, you know, uh, their own business links in India. So they don't want, you know, their, their so-called Gurdwara that, that they see as belonging to them. They don't want that Gurdwara to, um, you know, do this type of Barjar. So they, they have that fear. Um, uh, two, there's trauma there. Like, you know, like, and that trauma will manifest in a lot of different ways, whether it's grief, whether it's anger, whether it's, you know, even like a, something that looks like hatred. But in mind, it's not actually that. It's just it's just trauma, um, or like three, like um, you know, they they don't understand. They literally don't understand the movement. They don't know what the six were about. They've internalized the propaganda of the Indian state. So they'll come out with like all oh, Santa Jarnel saying, oh, cutter cigar, like he was a fanatic. You know, he could have been, at, he shouldn't have been there. What was he doing there with guns? And and they don't understand Sikhi. Like, you know, Shastali Palkita Guru Hargobind Saibnesh Sajai Huya. Guru Hargobind was the one that said, bring your Jawan, bring your youth, bring your guns, bring your Kore to Akal Takat. You know, like from uh, from um, uh, um, uh, um, second Guru Sahib, onane mal akare banaye like wrestling akare. You know, chote Guru Sahib, you know, buys horses. You know, panj panj me is even more horses. Got trains musketeers and gunmen. Like ita shastarta sadi pella den toi ritia. Um, you know, there's an, there's an inseparable relation that six have with shastar and and you know our Padshahi. So like a lot of these things are like, are like I was saying, it's either fear or it's, um, you know, trauma or it's a lack of understanding. And, and sometimes it may take like, you know, a while to sit down, work out what it is, 
um, you know, and work through these things with, um, you know, different committees and different individuals. But very rarely will you meet people that have outright hatred. And the ones that do, uh, um, they will make it very, very clear. Um, and you just have to make space for the the shaheeds, uh, and it's a it, it's an important thing to do because uh, the gurdwara are our you know they're the centers of our community. Um, but I, and a lot a lot of the times as well, what, we, what we've seen is the the gurdwara committee in a certain area may not take the youth seriously because the youth haven't come through consistently with seva, or they they don't get involved in like the day to day. Um, running of the Gurdwara, whether that's like, you know, Prashad Diyani Seva or, or um, you know, um, Joriyani Seva or like admin or anything. Where there's youth that are involved in the Seva of the Gurdwara, they're, most Gurdwara, they don't have any problems. It's a complete call. They let you do whatever you want, basically. No, you <clears throat> Anji, yeah, that, that was it. Okay, okay. Um, so there's another question by somebody. I don't know uh, how your time timing is. If if it's okay, we just only have a few more left. So um, should yeah yeah I've got time. Okay, So should we become shaheeds to secure sovereignty? I wish personally, like I'm heavily invested in you know not only the prachar around Khalistan but the struggle itself um you know my dad was a member of Babar Khalsa you know he spent like you know our childhood in prison I'm personally very very heavily invested um you know like I said earlier my, our house was raided in 2018 by police uh, for supporting the the Jaggi campaign and other charges that they made that we're supporting extremism and blah 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 um so you know I wish there was an easy way I wish there was a very easy way to get azadi. Je kisi nu koi raah pata ya ta dass do nahi ta passe ho jao jahan support karo jahan chup karke passe ho ke beh jao like what is your um, you know first you'll say what is your commitment and how much skin have you got in the game um you know like if you ain't got no skin in the game then why are you worried about like shahidi you know if you're passionate about this then tikya samajh lenya that you know you're thinking about shahadat now and again you know shahadat isn't dependent on what you want you know like if bathere ya jire chondes ge assi shaheed hoye shahadat ek guru sahib walo bakshi hoyi daat ya like go watch it just once think um kalra's last speech that he does he explains it beautifully he says there's one ultimate gift that the guru has given to the six and he has reserved it for the sick he's a like, guru doesn't make anybody guru anymore like there's that that was the ultimate before right before sri guru granth sahib ji maharaj became pargat um before that point a guru could have made another sick the guru but after guru um, granth sahib ji became pargat the guru doesn't make any other sick guru anymore um but the biggest daat that they can give and he says this is the biggest gift that they can give and as many sikhs have taken advantage of this gift they've desired this gift is the gift of shahadat da eda sade panjme paatsha shaheed hoye sige guru sahib da de pita ji shaheed hoye sige ohna de char sahibzade ohna ne vare anneke like je assi kenne a panthia panth keda ya shaheed da maridan da panthia like in reality if we want to be very serious 
Like whose month is it? This month belongs to the Shaheeds and the Marids, those that are who can call themselves dedicated. So this, uh, you know, attitude, you're like, is Shahidi the only way? There is, n you can never gain Azadi without Qurbani. And the question is, what lens are we looking at Shahada through? Like Shahada is, uh, if we're looking at it as death, if we're looking at it through a Western tradition of like martyrdom, um, or like, you know, some reward or etc, etc. That's not the sick way of looking at it. Like Shahadat is a completeness. Remember, Jis Marne Se Jag Dare Mere Man Anand. Sura So Pe Chaniye Jo Lare Deen Ke Hed Purja Purja Kat Mare Kabhu Na Chate Ke Hed. Right, that's another bar from Guru Sahib. What is the quality of the, the Sura, right? The, uh, the brave warrior. Now recognize the brave warriors. Jo Lare Deen Ke Hed. The one that fights for their Taram. And they may be cut piece by piece, but they'll never leave the battlefield. Read Naraz Shand by Guru Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj, where they talk about these brave, so-called brave Patan warriors that, you know, claim that they were the fiercest, most mighty warriors. But when they entered the battlefield with Guru Sahib's um, uh, Sikhs, they turned and they ran away. And Guru Sahib wrote Naraz Shand from, uh, on them because they were like, you, you left the battlefield. Um, so, you know, this is why we, we have Shasta, right? They're not ornaments, they're not, you know, symbols of something. This uh, is, uh, you know, um, uh, Guru Sahib uh, um, uh, writes, Chare Jog Chalat Kahani Tegdi, Jai Jai Jagkaran, Sister Varan, Mamrat Varan, Jai Tegan. So, you know, Jere Shasta, Ek Gur Peer Hai Hamare. They're our saints, they're our, um, you know, spiritual guides, right? Like the uh, the shastar have a different um, uh, uh, a position in the mind of the Sikh. and that's something that we've been blessed with by Guru. That way of understanding the world, Guru Sahib's hukam, that drishti, that way of seeing, the way of understanding the world, um, is is a blessing from the Guru. So you know, shahadatta ohi de sakda, the one that's not attached to their life in it. Um, if you're attached to your family, if you're attached to this material existence, how can you become shaheed? Only those that rise above all of those attachments, you know, that have that, um, you know, the, the kamai have that. And Jin Guru Sahib, the ones Guru Sahib blesses with that gift of shaheed, only those can become shaheed. Um, so, yeah, personally, like, you know, there, I don't think there is any uh, path to azadi that doesn't involve qurbani. Like if we look back at our history, our entire, um, you know, um, our entire like path towards Azadbi is marked by countless sacrifices and battles. And again, like, you know, if we look at, um, you know, time, like from the Western point of view, where time is like a linear thing, the past is be behind us and the future is in front of us, then we'll have a different understanding. But Sikhs don't look at time in that way. You know, for us, our Shaheed, they're present with us. Guru is Angsang, right? And Gurbani is always reminding us that Guru is constantly with us, Angsangya. And our Shaheeds are Angsang as well. Like, they're Majood, they're part of creation. They're not something, you know, they're not gone once they become Shaheeds. Like, when we do Ardas, like, you know, if you're ever, if you've had Shantya, you know, you've heard from the elders, when you do Ardas, you know, Guru nu hazar nazar man ke ardas kar de, shahidanu hazar nazar, like accepting that the shahids are there, that they're listening to the ardas. You know, we talk about shahid di para, we talk about shahid di forja when we get into like these deeper aspects of Sikhi. 
So it's not like, you know, that you're Shaheed now and that's it, you're gone. You know, to the Shaheed, okay, to the Amar Hojan, you become a mortal. You know, get on the Nar and that's Sada Jag de Ute, Jere Apne Taramle Jana Vardia. Like Baki and the Pateri Dunia, Dunia de Loki, Aya, the Margea, like who remembers them? Jere Shaheed, they are on the Nas and Eri Akran, their names are written in, you know, the golden, you know, their names are written in golden letters in the history of the Pant. Um, so it's a it's a it's a different um, you know a different nazaria um, to look at it from a, a, a sick point of view. Okay, bye, Samji. Um, so I just tagged you in a voice uh, in a text channel event question box. Uh, can you see it? Question seventeen. It's quite long. Uh, yeah, I can see it. Give me a second. I'll just quickly read it. Yeah. So. Um, Sangaji, just while Paisa is reading, um, someone had asked if, uh, question 10 is, if there's a DVD available, Paisa had answered that it's not available uh, on DVDs or online yet, but if you want to see or know about the screenings, you can go to www.battleofamrasar.com and you'll find all the future screenings there. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I, I read that. Um... So I'll I'll just read out the question, or if you could just uh, uh, for the for the recording. Uh, yeah. So um, it's just basically the question is, um, you know, um, how I mentioned that some people are defeatists because uh, they uh, they don't believe in the uh, they don't believe that you know Khalistan is viable, or they you know they see India and Pakistan being nuclear powers. Um, and um, the person asking the question is saying, I feel like more prudent issue would be overcoming tanks and air superiority of Indian armed forces. Do you see any way around this? I support independence, but realize this uh, would be one of the biggest hurdles to overcome. Um, please use as much English as possible in your uh, responses. Um, and, and, and a kind of a follow-up question is, uh, how difficult have you found being labeled activist, etc., and on a daily basis encountering problems such as police, government, how do you mentally deal with it all? Um, so yeah, I mean, for the first uh, for the first question, you could judo jung larnia that judo to fans. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, when you've made that decision that you're gonna fight, uh, and when you understand what the this fight is, and when you're on that path on of that struggle, then you and you left uh, and you've stepped onto that path with the ardas of um, towards Guru Sahib and the. The bunkshish, the blessings of the Sangat, then multiple pathways will open up in front of you. For 10 years, from 84 to the mid 90s, six in Punjab, four, the first war for Khalistan. And that battle goes against all conventions of modern day, you know, guerrilla fighting. That battle was fought on low lying plains, whereas most guerrilla, you know, uh, uh, battles are fought. In mountainous trains or jungle terrains, when your commitment is onto that path, and you know when that the the um, the sangat ardasa and their support is with you, then everything becomes clear. And like when they fought, like you know um, the in um, the first world war for Khalistan, when those Surme fought, they faced all of these ba- um, challenges. When the Indian army sent like tens of thousands of troops to surround Amritsar and sent tanks and armored personnel carriers into Darbar Sahib. Um, and, you know, over 200 Sikh fighters became Shaheed. 
they tried to demolish Akal Takat, they didn't win. And this is the thing, right? Like with Sanjanel saying, when they set the battlefield, they set it for a different purpose. And that purpose was to lay the foundation for Khalistan, that they were going to fight and become Shaheed in that jung, and the sovereignty was going to become on the agenda for, for the Panth, that there would be no turning back from this direction. And from that point, um, sovereignty completely has dominated Sikh uh, discourse and the Sikh imagination. There's an, a word for it, Khalistan. That word has power because it, it's been watered by the blood of the Shaheeds, you know, the Indian state. Um, tremble that the word Khalistan. And on one hand, they say nobody wants it. On the other hand, you know, it's constantly, uh, you know, quote unquote, infecting Punjab uh, in multiple different ways. You're always reading about, you know, people getting arrested with arms, you know, people being arrested for liking Facebook posts, people being arrested for putting up banners. Um, and, and the same government says, oh, Khalistan doesn't exist as well. So I don't see the problem being the. Um, with the tanks or the nuclear weapons of the state. I see the problem being something else, which is like the things that we spoke about, Jazba, that Siddur, that clarity, understanding what the battlefield is, understanding what the state is. Uh, when the farmers' protest happened, how many people at that point thought that this isn't going to go anywhere, the Indian state's powerful, etc uh, etc et and what did them surrendering look like and and how did they try to you know divert using so much rhetoric etc and, and india has shown as well with all of its forces uh, it was very difficult for it to fight against the jajarus uh, in punjab during that first war for Khalistan. this is why they had to resort to mass human rights violations um, this is they had to outviolence the movement there. So, you know, when it came down to it, it wasn't about tanks. It was about police officers, um, you know, engaging in like mass sexual violence against unarmed villagers. You know, the ones that had the guns, they didn't face them. There's multiple documented incidences where the Karkus have written statements in newspapers openly calling out the superior uh, commanders of the Indian police. Like Baba Manojal calls out KPS Gill and says, meet us at this bridge at this time. Stop killing innocent villagers to try to get to us. Um, they never turned up. You know, by Brahma, they go to by Brahma's bend. Um, you know, there's a C CRPF, uh, you know, encampment outside of the pen, and he goes on the Gurdwara, speaks on the loudspeaker, and says, "We're here now. You're you're hunting us. You're hunting us. We're here now. Why don't you come outside of your encampment? You've got guns. We've got guns. Let's settle this. Stop harassing the innocent villagers." So when it comes down to it, they, you know, the people that don't have the weapons. They're the ones that suffer the most brutal violence from the Indian state. So, you know, even though India has got the, its largest mili military, etc., the first war for Khalistan almost bankrupted the entire uh, Indian state. Um, so it's a it, it's a different the the struggles for on different terms. It's not about firepower. It's not about nuclear weapons um, in in certain respects. Is not in the way that people think. Oh, they've got tanks, and we we've got 
you know, guns. You know, when, you know uh, I mean, look at, uh, I, the best example I could probably give is um, uh, Afghanistan and the amount of uh, military hardware that the American uh, military invested in Afghanistan. Like one of the world's uh, largest, most modernized militaries, technologically advanced militaries, with all of the heavy weaponry, with all of like, you know, the satellite linkages, all the technological advantages, fighting against people in Korte Pajame with AKs and roadside bombs. And they tried for de uh, for over a decade. And who's in power in Afghanistan right now is the Taliban. They took over the country in like less than a week after the American government left. So sometimes these, you know, jungs aren't determined on, you know, firepower and weapons and, you know, who's got there's, there's multiple, multiple different factors. And as, as for your other question, uh, I mean, I'm sure all the things that are involved with like the, the Seva would say the same thing, um, you know, for us is Ardas, you know, like, um, you know, listening to Bani, doing darshan of Pantadardi Sangat, um, you know, that's what keeps us motivated, that's what keeps us energized. And, you know, when you like set off with the Ardas, when you set off with, you know, that that desire, um, it's, a, it's a different, um, uh, like, feeling entirely. I remember something my dad told me, like, is on this path you'll get a lot yeah you know you'll face a lot you know you'll get a lot as well like in terms of you know um sift uh, sift down from the sangat um you know like maya like everything you'll get everything you'll face a lot of challenges but just remember it, everything is the gurus and you know there's barkat in that like you know I, like suppose like you know blessing of the guru if you are like uh, english is limiting in that sense but you know, there's yeah, there's like sick magic in that. Like you know, guru vi koi chijia, like you know, rabbi vi koi chijia. Um, so you know, when you set off in in that in that way, like you know, the firta, you accept the reality of what this this path is and the reality of what the struggle is. And then you know, like like I was, we were talking about earlier, um, you know, ezibij janna vi jaugiya, jella nu vi jana boga, like all of that stuff happens. Um, but that shouldn't demoralize us that, you know, we need to understand, like, we are literally engaged in the life and death struggle. You either those that have the opportunity to fight um, on their own terms or you die slowly in a false sense of comfort that, you know, you could become the richest, you know, um, whatever celebrity or, you know, politician or whatever. And Um, sorry, uh, uh, but yeah, you could accumulate like wealth, you could uh, get a position at the end of the day, um, but you're still going to die. And what are you going to take with you? If in the UK, the first sick that comes here, uh, that's bought here by the British colonizers is uh, the leap Singh, the, you know, the young um, you know, boy prince or the boy king, whatever they, the they called him, the black prince of Perthshire. He's the first sick that comes in the UK. He's brought here as a child. He's anglicized. Um, they try to, you know, they convert him into a Christian. They get him to cut his gears. Um, and they recognize him as a royal. You know, there's no Sikh in the UK. Doesn't matter if they're a lord or doesn't matter if they're a billionaire. The, the uh, establishment, the, you know, the crown and the royal family, they won't recognize you as a royal. The Leap Singh was recognized as a royal. Yet 
he chose to die in exile in Aden, France, having left this life, all these, you know, estates that he was given, a, a life of relative comfort and luxury. He chose to leave all of that behind and die in exile in the pursuit of um, uh, Azadi, in the pursuit of Punjab, in the pursuit of Sikhraj. Because he realized after he met his mother, um, Marini Jentakor, who was like in prison, she escaped prison because the Gore knew that she had that fire in her. They didn't want her to meet her son, but she managed to come here. Um, and you know, when she awoken the, the sick inside him, he realized that hang on, there's something more here. And yeah, like you know, he, he, he turned his back on this. So you know, like you know, I was talking about earlier, like JSC Jentaki or Nigeria, like if we're just living for the sake of living, then fear the Galvakriya, fear Ayashiya, karo like. You know, good luck to you. But if you want to live for something a bit more profound, if you want to live for the uh, Pant, if you want to live for, you know, like uh, so many youth have given their lives and we've got this debt on our heads, like this debt of their, their sacrifices. If we want to live for that, um, then it's a different sense. Because otherwise, what? why are we out here in the diaspora? We've been displaced from Punjab. Our elders were forced out of Punjab because they don't see a viable future here. We've survived genocide. We've survived like, you know, borders and language barriers and all sorts of things. And now we have the ability to be vocal. We have the ability to organize, um, you know, uh, like what value are we going to give that? Uh, and if our voices aren't going to contain the voices of our brutalized, disappeared, um, you know, burnt alive masses, then what's the point of having a voice in it? Everyone else is just chatting anyway. Why do we want to join those ranks of people that are just talking for the sake of talking? Apunia Avaj should contain Dharm in it. It should contain the uh, the call for Azadi, the call for Khal Saraj that survives through our ancestors. Our Avaj should carry that weight. Like otherwise, it's just, you know, you're just making noise for the sake of it. Thank you, Pahisabji. Um, So, to one point that you mentioned, there was a follow-up question. Uh, did the Karkular actually nearly bankrupt India or Delhi? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look in, like, you know, like, people probably know about Manamon Singh, right? He's celebrated as, like, this great economist who brings, like, you know, um, India back from the brink of economic ruin uh, because they had heavily invested so many resources. Like, it's very expensive. They, uh, if you go on nsyf.org.uk, there's um, click on reports and statements and scroll down. There's a report called Criminalizing Dissent, written by the Sikh Liberation Front. Um, and in that uh, report, uh, even if you just Google NSYF Criminalizing Dissent, it will come up. In that report, it gives the exact figures. Uh, but like the exact figures are there, how much they increased the Punjab's police force by how much they increased the budget by remember when Punjab's uh, police force which is the which is the Indian police force in Punjab because Punjab doesn't have a police force of its own that's made on its own terms it has the Indian police force and if you I mean you go on their Twitter handle they'll call themselves Punjab police India um, but yeah so the Indian police force in Punjab they increased the, the numbers of police by I think it was like fourfold or sevenfold the highest police density in any other state, they had to heavily modernize the police force because the Karkus were bringing in automatic weapons. 
from you know Dada Adam Kale in Afghanistan. They were bringing in like light machine guns, RPGs, like you know like heavy weaponry. In Pun- um, the Indian police in uh, Punjab had none of that stuff. They had like 302 rifles and you know um, uh, and didn't even have armored vehicles at that time. Um, they you know I, I give you one example. Um, you know one of the the sheets by Deepa uh, Hirawala. Um, so at one point, the uh, Punjab police, because they were getting attacked so badly, um, they had armored the sides of the vehicles, but they didn't armor the roof of the vehicle. So Deepa Herawala, the lion of the Wabba, would climb up a tree with a few things, wait for the you know convoy to pass through, and then shoot through the roofs of the, the cars. So like they, the things had like you know uh, insane counter uh, uh, counter state strategies uh, to deal with uh, the police. They were bringing in explosives. And the, the you know they had satellite phones back in those days, um, so the, the um, you know the Indian state had to invest heavily in order to kind of um, catch up with that. And this environment, they they were like armoring tractors at, at you know certain points to go through the kids and stuff. Um, you know they were uh, you know investing heavily in like um, you know s- uh, sabotage and uh, espionage equipment as well to spy on uh, the things. Um, and obviously they had to like rearm and re-equip. Um, you know, so many of their uh, police forces, and then they have to maintain checkpoints as well. Like, uh, if you've, any of you've been to um, you know Punjab and you've seen like driving around on the streets, there's like still till this day there's police checkpoints. Like, I I live in the UK, I've never seen a police checkpoint. Um, you know, in the UK, um, unless there's like a big road traffic accident or something. But in India, like they're they're common. Um, in and in Indian occupied Punjab, they're common because there's a literally an occupying force. So they had to build. Um, you know this infrastructure and then they paid a lot of bribes as well that's another thing um, they paid a huge amount of they created a whole um, you know a fund of bounty system so because they had to motivate the police there and they wanted to attract certain types of police officers that didn't have any morals that would like kill people torture them like you know um, uh, murder them and you know violate all of um, you know like the norms of any kind of conflict and uh, so they created unmarked funds where they had a bounty system <clears throat> where you could bring someone in and say they were so-and-so card boot and you'd get like a, a financial reward for killing them. So they had that as a system as well. Um, and yeah, like, you know, and obviously like the, when you create that type of corruption, um, you know, it, it, uh, it creates like, you know, the incentive for that type of um, uh, that violence and that type of corruption. So, you know, the, the police officers took advantage of it and they would like, you know, they'll try to rinse that as much as possible. And then on top of that, you've got an additional security cost where you're having to secure vital infrastructure, including power plants, including, you know, your secretariat buildings where like, you know, Bianta's assassinated in the Chandigarh high security compound. You have to secure jails. You have to secure courthouses because if you arrest someone, and you know, say they survived a trial, you're gonna to have to provide additional security. All of your, you know, police officers have additional security. Like KPS Gill used to roll around with a hundred personnel that were dedicated just to his security 24 hours a day. Um, Samir Saini, uh, there's an article again on the NSYF uh, um, blog. Um, if you go on the NSYF.org.uk about Zekom, um, it's called Samir Saini Murtabad, um, and it details his security cover and he was the hand-picked predecessor uh just sorry the hands hand-picked successor to kps gill and he had 150 um uh, personnel in his security which included armored cars which included um bomb proof vehicles which included signal jamming equipment because again like the cartoons were very 
sophisticated. They were using um, remote triggered explosive devices in order to target high profile um, individuals. Um, so they had to have signal jammers. And by the way, this is now standard. You know, when they talk about Z plus security, this is because the Karkus raised the bar of like counter state um, uh, 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 violence. Um, that they had to raise the bar of, of security. So now, you know, armored vehicles, bomb-proof vehicles, signal jamming equipment, all of that is like standard procedure to protect VIPs. Um, because like, you know, the Karkus did so many attempts, like five attempts on KPS Gill, um, very, very high profile attempts. Um, you know, obviously, Bianta's assassinated in his high security secretariat. Um, General Vedya, who is, um, you know, the chief arch military architect for the Var Saib uh, invasion in 84. He's assassinated in Pune. Um, Indira Gandhi's assassinated. Um, uh, uh, you know, the other high profile uh, targets are assassinated, like Gobind Ram as well. He was another kind of mid, mid to senior level police officer. And he was. He was a particularly vicious police officer. Uh, he would like have urine and feces in a jar and he would go into villages, like strip entire villages naked. Uh, he would say to them, you've drank the Amrit of Guru Gobind Singh. Now drink the Amrit of Guru Gobind, uh, uh, Gobind Ram and make people drink that jar. Uh, I mean, his office has committed like, like, uh, like unspeakable atrocities against the, you know, the especially the villages of the Karkus. Um, and like any anywhere that they saw, uh, saw that support was uh, uh, coming. So he was assassinated again in an explosion attack as well. Um, so yeah, like the, the state had uh, a, a, a huge uh, resource investment uh, because I mean, this is the situation of war that the Karkus had created, right? So you have, you're having to do searches, you're having to, you know, provide security, you've got unmarked funds, you've got like, you know, so much infrastructural costs you know, you can't travel anywhere in Punjab without layers of security. Anybody who's retired needs security, relocation. They had entire areas like secured uh, where Pun uh, General Vedya was in, in Pune was a military entire kind of town was dominated by the military. And they had like, um, you know, commandos stationed there, tank stationed there, all sorts of stuff. You know, Punjabon Mot, even the, uh, like, you know, his, his Mot like called him. And like, go, you know, the things arrived and, you know, assassinated him within that high security area. So, yeah, I mean, like this, this virtually brought the, um, you know, Indian state to that point of bankruptcy. And this is why they escalated the violence as well. And they escalated like um, uh, um, the dead, their policy of genocide um, and their policy of complete annihilation. Uh, and you just go check out in Saf.org and you can see like, um, you know, thousands. Uh, I think they're, 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 the number of cases they released is around 5,600 um, and something now. Um, but they literally targeted thousands and thousands of Najwan. They had like a blanket policy. Um, and they were doing mass arrests as well at certain point. They had turned like schools into torture centers. Um, you know, so they, they had a huge, huge uh, infrastructural uh, 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 cost. <coughs> Thank you, Paisal Gio. Um, I think we're just about to wrap it up. Um, but there was one question still left. Um, are there any new projects? Angie, like I mentioned, Baljeet Singh is writing the book on the, um, uh, the Khalistan movement. Um, and he's going to provide a lot more detail than, than I've been able to provide here. Um, you know, so a lot, uh, and also resources and the references and everything. Um, so Jangnama, that should, hopefully should be out in about a year. 
Um, he's, he's working on the draft right now. We want to produce a couple of more films as well, um, shorter films than Battle of Amrsa documentary, which is like feature length at two and a half hours. Um, you know, there's other projects that we want to work on with the Khalistan Center, um, the the leadership courses that, that actually center uh, the Miri Biri and center Gurmat in, in powerful ways, not, you know, so-called leadership, but all they teach you to do is like, you know, uh, um, become a civil service administrator or, you know, fight an election or whatever. Um, but yeah, like actual Gurmat centered Sikh leadership. Um, We've got like other like you know material books uh, that we want to produce. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of work that that needs to be done over the the coming years. There's a bunch of books in uh, Gurmukhi as well that we want to translate. We want to bring into English, like uh, by Malkit Singh's recent book that lists. Uh, you may have seen uh, W. Sultan, the 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 list that was uh, made um, in Punjabi um, by someone in Australia. They turned it into an Instagram post that kind of went viral. Uh, but that that information is all from by Mal- Malkit Singh Gawanigar's book, which goes through all of the Gurdwari that were attacked. There's a lot of information in there that's really really important. There's another book that's come out uh, by uh, by Diljit Singh Bittu Karku Sangar Sakhi, and um, that tells the story uh, of those unknown Shahids and like the Sangat's Ardas, and is a really really profound book. Um, and that needs to, you know, uh, if, I mean, if it was translated, it doesn't need to be, but if it was available in English, uh, it would make it a bit more accessible. Um, and we see the English translations never do justice, um, you know, especially to a book like by uh, Daljeet Singh's book. You know, by Malkit Singh's book, you know, it's a bit, because it's, um, it's a bit more um, research-based, you know, it, uh, you're not going to lose a lot. Uh, but by Daljeet Singh's book is a, a bit more, it's, it's metaphysical, it's... Um, you know, it's from a sick epistemic point of view. It's that it's a lot harder to translate that. Um, so that, that's some of the work that we want to do as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, but there's loads of projects. If you want, I mean, we need people constantly that um, have really good Gurmukhi and, and English skills. Um, you know, and yeah, we can help with uh, the, the lens, uh, the political analysis. Um, we need people to like do translation work all the time. So if anyone right. wants to reach out, please do. Yeah. Um, by the way, so um, uh, talking of helping, um, is there somewhere that people of Sangat could donate? Yeah, you can. Um, we've got some links up on nsyf.org.uk um, forward slash um, support. Um, you know, on Kalistancenter.kalistan.org, uh, there's a donate link on there as well. Um, if you're in North America, I would suggest going to Khalistan.org to donate. Um, if you're in the UK, I would suggest going to nsyf.org.uk, UK or Europe. Um, but, you know, either one, like, you know, uh, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, but, yeah, there, there are, um, there, you can donate. Um, so I was actually about to wrap up because the questions were done. Uh, one little slide, in, maybe you could uh, also address it briefly if that's okay. Um why are the Indian government so against Sikhs having their own homeland? Um, they're not just against Sikhs. They're against anybody that challenges the sovereignty of the Indian state. Um, so you want to understand what the Indian state is. It's a unitary, centralized structure. It's a Tanna, uh, tanna Shahi Biparavadi Tancha. Uh, um, so it's, it's a, uh, the Indian constitution, the psyche of the Indian state, um, to them, the ideal citizen is the Hindu. This is why, like Hindu Rashtra is a term, like Hindu nationalism is a term. 
this is when they talk about the threat to India and the, uh, being anti-national, i.e. not being loyal to India, means not being loyal to the dominant Hindu majority. And even though the Brahmins are a smaller minority um, uh, uh, within the, the Hindu caste dynamic, they have hold a lot of power, not only spiritually because you know they are the access to the divine, but also in the administration, whether it's a civil administration or the bureaucratic administration or like you know the universities, etc. They retain a lot of control. So India is an ideological project. Um, it's an ideological project that has its roots in British colonizers. Um, creating a structure that would facilitate their control and their exploitation over the land and bodies of uh, the people of the South Asian subcontinent. India is created by an act of British Parliament in the early 19th century and power is transferred from a British ruling elite to a Brahmin ruling elite. Master Tara Singh famously says, the white man is gone but our freedom has not come. We've changed one master white for another, brown for uh, white for brown. So the Indian state was never set up to be a democracy. It was always set up to be like these Western countries, a centralized bureaucratic structure that has the exclusive monopoly on sovereignty and the use of force. So where the state exists, where you have a state, the state has exclusive uh, uh, domain over sovereignty. Now, that's at odds with Sikhs in particular, because Sikhs are a sovereign people. The Sikhs have been given sovereignty. So, Sikhs have been bestowed sovereignty by Guru Padsha, and that sovereignty extends across all realms, Miri Piri, right? The, the seen world and the unseen world. We can never exist in this state of Adinagi underneath the supremacy of another because Sikhs make a, a, a more profound claim. Sikhs claim that they can create a more just, a more equitable society. And not only do they claim that, they've manifested that in practice multiple times. Not just, you know, it's not Khalistan isn't asking for something. It's about creating something that we know we're capable of creating because we've seen it multiple times whether it's the Anandpur Darbar and the um, uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji Maharaj whether it's the, the Missal Raj whether it's the um, you know Sikh Raj uh, with uh, Ranjit Singh and the other Khalsa Sardars um, so th this is the, the the root of the conflict one we don't accept the supremacy of another power whether it's the Mughals whether it's the British whether it's the Hindustani state Two, the Brahmins have an ideological conflict with the Sikhs. From the time Guru Nanak Padshah rejected the Janayal, we don't accept the validity of their ideology. And not just Brahmins, Sari Jinnevi Duniya Di Taram hai, Asi Bed, Quran, Quran, Anek Kahe, Mat Ek right? We don't accept their ideological foundations because we don't accept that. Um, uh, that they can create that type of samaj, that type of society where human beings can flourish. The Khalsa says we're capable of doing that and Asitanu Karkivi, the, uh, the Kaya. So that Sarbata De Palita Raj, Sarb Samti Raj, Sanji Walta Digal, these are all um, Sikh concepts unique to Sikhi. So Sanji Walta doesn't exist in the Abrahamic faiths because 
they don't recognize anybody that isn't a Muslim, a Christian, a Jew as a human being. They're either a goyim or a kafir or a heretic. So they say that you don't have any access to the divine because you're not part of our faith. Brahman has the caste system where, you know, it's an inherently stratified society where they, the Brahman is at the top and then it's the Kshatriya, then it's the Vaish, then, then it's the Shuddha and dogs and women aren't even part of the thing. They're like underneath everyone. So Sikhi is against that type of domination and exploitation. Sikhi says, You talk about Taram and righteousness, but you're, you're drinking, um, you know, you're attacking the people. You know, Guru Nanak Pacha says, Raja Shimakadam Kutte, right? Like, Asaki Bari is so important to this. Babar, uh, Babar, the collection of Shabads known as Babar Mani is so important to this conversation. The only which Guru Sahib talks about the reality of power. What, and our question is this question of power. Like when there's this dynamic of oppressive power, uh, 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 people suffer. And that's what Sikhi is against. It's against that suffering. It's against that exploitation. So, from day one, we've never been able to uh, coexist with oppressive powers. So, the Indian state deeply realizes this. Deeply realizes this. It's not an exaggeration. They've known this from a very, very long time. And not only have they known this, that Sikhi represents a threat to the power, ideological power base of the Indian state, which is Brahmanism, um, that Sikhi is a, a diametrically opposed to Brahmanism and Sikhi will destroy Brahmanism. They not only they know this, they vocally, they vocalize this. So when Sardar Patel, one of the early Indian you know, um, power elites, says Sikh Zaraim Bishakom, the Sikhs are a criminal tribe, He's echoing the sentiments of the British colonial government that said Sikhs are a criminal tribe. And they, and they used these criminal tribes acts to, you know, uh, um, uh, police and arrest and criminalize anybody that they thought was a problem. And that's where, you know, the British were uh, cunning, like, you know, like the Brahmins. And the British realized that just through use of violence, because they had perfected, you know, the science of exploitation in Africa and other places, they realized that just by um, direct rule, by absolute power, through absolute violence, you can't maintain effective control over the population. How do you maintain effective control? They came up with this policy of indirect rule, where you've you got to convince the native population that you're doing something in their favor. So the Gore came up with this martial race theory, where like they were like, oh, six, you should serve the British Empire. Um, they started issuing propaganda. Um, written in Gurmukhi, um, getting, you know, uh, Gyanis to, uh, uh, you know, distribute it, saying you should serve the British government. Serving the uh, um, uh, Maharani uh, is like serving Satya Padsha. She's also a true Satya Padsha. She's also a benevolent ruler, etc., etc. And they use that to recruit Sikhs into the army. Today, Sikhs have taken that exploitation, internalized it, and made it their own history and will go and tell people, oh, did you know we sacrificed for India? We fought in the World War One, blah, blah, blah. They'll talk about their exploitation as a proud history. So that shows that the deep um, uh, uh, tentacles of like this colonial way of thinking that they've embedded into, uh, into us and we've internalized. Um, and the Brahmins, again, they maintain the same rhetoric uh, be a proud Indian, serve India, join the Indian forces, you know, you know, serve India, and like, 
And we, um, you know, what, when they talk about the loyal Indian citizen, they mean either producing uh, food or, uh, you know, furthering the national security objectives of India. So you're a loyal, proud Indian if you serve the Indian state, if you become a chief minister like Bhyan Singh, if you become a prime minister like Manmohan Singh, if you become a police officer like KPS Gill, if you become a, you know, a sporting icon like Milka Singh, any icon that upholds the idea of India and the unity of India is an icon. Anybody that challenges that is a terrorist, is a fanatic, is like Sanjanel Singh. So India understands the conflict. Um, they understand the, uh, the ideological moorings of Sikhi and its opposition to Brahmanism. So therefore, they will either assimilate us or they will annihilate us. And that's the policy that they've adopted post-1947. So it's on us as Sikhs to recognize the policies um, this Sadantik Kirabandi, this encirclement, ideological encirclement, this chakra view, as uh, Gurdjieff Singh calls it, like recognize what those dynamics are and mobilize and organize against them, work to expose them. And Sanjay Singh does that in the most profound way in, in uh, June 1984, uh, when they expose the true nature of Indian democracy, its true quality that when you cha challenge its power, when you question the nature of its authority, it will seek to annihilate you. When you cannot be assimilated, when you can't be convinced of this narrative of servitude, they will violently annihilate you. So the Indian state will always be opposed. There's no, um, there's no way you can convince them of your loyalty. I'll give you a, another example. During the farmers' protest, um, out of fear, out of fear, and out of cowardice. Some of the leaders decided to spread, um, and in order to counter propaganda by the Indian state, some of the leaders said we should wave the Indian flag as opposed to the Nishan side. That waving that Indian flag still didn't convince the Indian media and the in Indian nationalist mobs that the Sikhs were a threat, that any moment this protest could be infiltrated by Khalistanis, that is already infiltrated by Khalistanis, that Khalistanis are everywhere, that it's not a farmers protest, it's a Khalistan protest. They don't really want farmers' rights, they want their freedom, which is true, we do want our freedom. Um, so that loyalty, performing that loyalty to the Indian state isn't a guarantee of safety. Just as the same way in America, carrying the you know American flag isn't a guarantee of safety. After 9-11, who is the first person that got shot was a Sikh Sardar. They were always going to look at our bodies as the body of the terrorist that needs to be subdued, whether it's in India, whether it's in Britain, whether it's in wherever. Um, you know, it, 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 it dominates their psyche in that way. They're afraid of Sikhs. They're afraid of the, uh, the claims that Sikhs make of sovereignty, of, of a just society, of a decentralized power. These threaten those types of governments that are Tannashai governments, that are centralized oppressive governments. And Sikhs have always been a threat to that type of power structure. So these are like, um, you know, there's, there's a deeper conflict there. Um, and, like, you know, the Indian state recognizes it and will always mobilize all of its resources as post-84 has shown, its judiciary, its media, its bureaucracy, its armed forces, its economy, they'll mobilize everything to, in order to destroy you. And we're on a, a trajectory on one hand towards sovereignty, but the, on the other hand of the ecological and the social destruction of Punjab. You know, India has been heavily invested in undermining Punjab's ecology, in undermining Punjab's society, 
there's an ongoing forced displacement of Punjabis from Punjab um, that's, that's occurring till this day. So, you know, it's recognizing the nature of the conflict that we're engaged in and how Sanjanel Singh and, you know, the uh, Khalistan Shaheeds mobilize against this Galami is incredibly important because that's where we're going to find the solutions. Because what happens in um, um, the uh, Battle of Amritsar the, uh, is, is incredibly relevant to our conditions today. So Battle of Amritsar isn't a painful memory of a past. It's, it's a light towards the future. That's what we need to uh, view it as. Arbagat Singh says, suraj Like that's a, 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 an important takeaway. And if we don't learn from it, if we don't um, understand what this resistance means, then we're going to be looking for solutions in failed strategies. Get, you know, let's share power, let's work hard, let's get into the system. These are failed strategies. And if they dominate your imagination, that means to see Indian state India is never going to be yours. Um, and it never has been yours, it never will be yours. It doesn't matter how loyal you are. Soon as you show a certain type of Sikhi, you, you can be loyal to the Indian state in t- up until your dying breath. Soon as you say Sikhs should have sovereignty, you'll be labeled a terrorist and extremist. So, you know, that, that your relationship will always be um, a precarious relationship. So rather than living that type of, you know, um, existence, it's better to understand the reality and, and embrace that path towards liberation. Because then, you know, the question really is for us is, what does that liberation look like? What does that path look like? Because, you know, the, our shaheeds have given a massive qurbani. What is that path into the future? How do we cultivate a sovereign imagination so that we can take this struggle over generations? That So we can support each other as a community. We can come together for our liberation, that it becomes part of our psyche, that we're constantly imagining and, you know, creating um, in that direction. And, the, and these, are, uh, these are big questions. Thank you so much, Bhai Sarjil. Um, this this was, a, was a very deep, deep talk. Uh, we've done one hour, um, 54 minutes, so almost two hours. Um, in the question box, someone posted something else, but was not a question. Someone just said, thank you, Shamshir Singh Ji. Um, and I'm going to say the same on behalf of the Sikh Discord, uh, Sikh Discord mod team. Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, answering all the questions for two hours uh, and taking your time out. <coughs> and Sangaji, you, you can stay on and uh, continue discussing um, on the topic, what you've learned. Spice of G, you're also obviously welcome to stay. Um, but with this, uh, we will now end the talk for now. Uh, so thank you so much for attending Sangaji and uh, may we all strive for better Sikhi in the future thank you so much for attending